Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Beautiful day here in Louisville and the surrounding parts in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Plenty to talk about today. The beat goes on with the recruiting. More news breaking. We will... Start with this. Gary Parrish, CBS, is reporting that Malik Newman will commit to Mississippi State on Friday. This surprises or should surprise virtually no one. Now, that being said, why does Gary Parrish feel the need to get ahead of everybody else and announce a kid's decision two days before he's planning on announcing? I'll never understand. Well, I do understand why people do that. <clears throat> kind of bugs me a little bit. I'm sure some people would say, well, if he's going to wait till late April to announce anyways, who cares? Uh, but still, kind of bummed to see that. But again, no, probably no big surprise. If you were to ask me today where Malik Newman was going to end up, my guess would be Mississippi State. Now, I did think it was strange that, that he would be doing a, a ceremony in Mississippi, uh, but not open to the public at an undisclosed location. Uh, for a documentary, but you also think it'd look a lot cooler for a documentary if he announced for his homeschool with everybody in the background support, cheering and, and going nuts. So, mark another one off the list for Kentucky, if that's true. And again, we'll find out for sure on Monday. And I, and I again, I would if I had to guess today, and from what I've been hearing, Trevor, he was likely going to end up in Mississippi State. Mississippi State's coaching staff had felt really good about him since Ben Howland was hired. There were some rumors that at the Final Four they were kind of bragging about it to some other coaches about how they were going to get Malik Newman. So this is no big surprise, but what does it mean for Kentucky? Where do they go now? You lose out on really the last remaining guard option. And you're dealt with, okay, is UK going to be stuck with just Isaiah Briscoe, Charles Matthews, Tyler Ulis, and Dominic Hawkins? But you have to remember that Michael Mulder is visiting this weekend. So we'll talk more about that on today's show. We're also going to have... You know as well as I do, you much as you'd like to have Michael, Mike Mulder, it's a far drop-off from having Malik Newman. Sure. It, it, it without a doubt is, but... And, and and this is the thing that's going to bog bother me, uh, bug me, bother me. So much that you can't even get the word right. <clears throat> I, I mix bother and bug, but all that being said, uh, the thing that's going to bother me is that Louisville fans or opposing fan bases are going to spin it as Kentucky fans say they didn't want Malik Newman, that they're okay with with not getting Malik Newman. That's not true. Malik Newman would still be, if you could only pick one guard for Kentucky to have, he should probably be everybody's first choice. Now, Michael Mulder would be a solid backup, but not nearly as good as a player. If Kentucky can get Jamal Murray, who's a 2016 guy that may reclassify to 2015, Trevor, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, he, you could make a case that Jamal Murray would be a better fit. I still think Malik Newman's probably the better player, but... If you look at the Nike Hoop Summit game, and I don't have the stat sheet in front of me right now. I did earlier, but I've got like a thousand tabs pulled up on my computer. Uh, but if you look at the Nike Hoop Summit box score, then you would see that Jamal Murray had 30 points in that game. 
And this is one all-star game, I know. Uh, 30 points, 5 assists. And that same game, Malik Newman finished with 10 points uh, for a shooting. Uh, so you can make the case that Jamal Murray is a better player than Malik Newman. I still probably would say Malik Newman's better. If I had a draft one in the NBA, I'd probably take Malik Newman. He's also a year older. But you could you, you could you could make a very winning case that Jamal Murray would be the better fit for Kentucky because Malik Newman's going to need a lot of shots. Trevor, he's going to need the ball in his hands and he's going to need a lot of shots. Uh, which you know, if, if Kentucky weren't to add anybody else but Malik Newman, then there probably would be a lot of shots to go around. Isaiah Briscoe would take his. We all know Tyler Ulis is uh, unselfish, so he doesn't need to have a lot of uh, a lot of points or a lot of opportunities to score. Not really sure we're going to get out of the wing for Kentucky, out of the three position. Scalabissier is going to be a good scorer, so he's going to need a lot of shots. Uh, but Marcus Lee, we all know, is no offensive powerhouse. And Malik Newman is, is desired in college, or even when he gets to the pros if he does, is to have the ball 75% of the time in his hand like a Russell Westbrook. Then going to Mississippi State would be the better choice than going to Kentucky, where, like you said, he's got to share. But to piggyback on something you said a second ago about his decision, is it not, maybe it's me, but is it weird that – if he's going to choose Mississippi State, like you said, why not make it public? But to do it somewhere private and undisclosed like you're in the Batcave makes me think you don't want the people that are around you, i.e. Mississippi, to know where you're at that, because you're going to choose another school and not their home school. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, that's kind of the strange part about that. Uh, Malik Newman's whole recruitment is kind of weird. He's, he, he's only really let one media outlet cover his recruitment and that's the local paper down there and they've been doing documentaries on him and different films and I think they're going to put it all together for one big Malik Newman thing uh, which in hindsight would be a much much easier sell if uh, for their local news market to sell it to Mississippi State fans and kind of be the the birth of this new era of Mississippi State basketball uh, with Ben Howland and, and all that. But here's here's the deal. Mississippi State, I think, went 13 and 19 last year. They were terrible. They're returning everybody, but like we always say, Trevor, if you're returning a lot of bad people, what does that even mean? Cool. You're returning a lot of bad people. Experience uh, and losing. Exactly. Uh, it, Malik Newman's going to make them better, but the ceiling here for Malik Newman and Mississippi State has to be a, a bubble, a bubble NCAA tournament team, at best. Do you, and there's no, do you there's not, no way do you to picture like the uh, USC team that uh, OJ Mayo was on type image. Well, that team I, didn't they make it? Uh, they they certainly made it to the NCAA tournament, yeah, and then I sweet second round and got blown out. But I think didn't they? I think they beat a similar team to their own self in Kansas State and Michael Beasley to get to the second round. Yeah, I can't remember that that tournament how it played out, but I know they didn't make a deep run. But I think they even had an OKC in that game in that tournament, if I'm not mistaken. I don't expect Mississippi State to have a favorable seed whatsoever if they do make the tournament. I mean, it's not a good team, and Malik Newman's a really, really good player. He won four state championships in Mississippi, had his jersey retired before his career was even over, which is really weird and strange to 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 hear, but. I can't imagine him being that big of a difference, that good of a player, where, you know, even if he were to average 30 points a night, it's just, it won't be good enough for Mississippi State. And I, for, from, there's so many things, and this isn't sour grapes because I hope Malik Newman does a phenomenal job at Mississippi State. I don't, I don't really wish ill on 
17-year-olds. It's not really my style. But there's so many things about this decision, Trevor, that doesn't make sense, besides from the fact that, one, he'll get all the shots he wants at Mississippi State. Two, it's where his dad went. Three, it's his home state school. He probably knows he's going to be a, a one-and-done, and he can get out of there as soon as possible. And, and it's just not going to matter where he goes. But for somebody that loves winning, he's not going to be doing a lot of it at Mississippi State. For somebody that wants to improve their draft stock as much as possible, you know, if he goes to Mississippi State, Trevor, and, and wins 16 games or 17 games and, and misses out on the NCAA tournament, but he's averaging 25 points, you know, what will that do for his draft stock? Well, if he's as good as is described, and you would know better than me because I've watched a few, just a couple here and there highlights and all-star games, and I can only take that with a grain of salt, but to go to Mississippi, even with nothing as much around him at Mississippi State and the SEC, I mean, is still not as deep as it's not like it's maybe as bad as maybe as it was last year, but still isn't the greatest conference. You could at least sneak be a six seed, maybe even a five seed at Mississippi State if you can win 20, 21, 22 games. And adding a player of that caliber can probably get you 22 wins. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I I'm. I've seen enough Mississippi State basketball. Maybe Ben Howland will change things there. Maybe I'm sure he is probably a better coach than Rick Ray. Well, there's no doubt about that. But these aren't his players either. Uh, and he's going to have to, you know, he always says that he's going to play a faster style of basketball, this and that. Uh, but if it's still the same old Ben Howland style of basketball, I mean, I'm sure that's the best style for Malik Newman. I don't even know if that's the best fit for him. How about this, though, that, Ben Howland has beaten John Calipari for two of John Calipari's biggest targets in Malik Newman and, and Shabazz Muhammad. I don't think in uh, – well, I don't, we can't speak for Malik Newman, but I don't think uh, Cal is really shedding too many more tears over losing Shabazz Muhammad. Well, at the time, it was kind of, kind of crazy. And also he could UK, have made an impact on that NIT team, I suppose. Yeah, UK probably didn't make the NIT with that team. Uh, Captain Arctic says, Newman to Mississippi State, no harm, no foul. We play him twice, and we will win. I look at it as a weak move by him, really. Uh, he would like to know the real reason he's going to MSU. Just don't get why. Just don't get the why part of this. Well, again, the why part of it, it's where his dad went. It's the local school, and he's going to get 30 shots a game. They are literally going to give him the keys to the offense. And if he gets them to a five seed and even the second round, I know you called it the rebirth of basketball at Mississippi State. I don't know if it can be a rebirth because one Final Four run over the last 40 decades doesn't really count as a rebirth of basketball. It's more like the birth, if anything. And if he can get a second round, even a Sweet 16, and have a dominant year, yeah, he, he'll be done, he'll go on, and he'll still be a god in one state that he grew up in. That's not going to happen, Trevor. They're They're just <laughs> – they're not going to be as good as you're thinking they're going to be. I don't know how good he, the way you've described how good he can be. If he's if he's a stud, if he's an even as good as an OJ Mayo could be in college, which is still pretty good, even though he's a decent pro. Yeah, they can be a, a five seed. I think. I mean, like I said, oh, that USC team, no. by the way, was a six seed, and they went to the second round. If, if Mississippi State, you're telling me Mississippi State with an added coach like Ben Howland who knows how to coach, and and a, and a top ten, top fifteen shooting guard in Malik Newman that they can't get a sixth seed and maybe get to the second round at least next year. Here's the thing. They're, they're not even going to probably – they'll they'll probably be a top six team in the SEC, but Kentucky will be better than them next year. Well, LSU, LSU will be better. I'm not arguing not gonna, that. I'm not arguing that they're going to be a, an impact team. I'm just saying they're going 
to be at least a top, a six or maybe a five seed and can get into the second round and maybe sneak to the Sweet 16, which is unlikely, but at least a second round. In Mississippi State, that's, that's a pretty good win. That's a pretty nice little jump from a team that did what last year, did you say? Won 14 games? Have been have been a tournament threat how many times in the last two decades? You're you're I I, I don't I can't tell if we're agreeing here. Or you're missing. <laughs> I'm telling you they will not get a five or six seed. They will not make it to the second round of the tournament. If they're lucky, they will make it to the tournament, but they'll be an early out because they're just not good, Trevor. And, and you, one of your points was they're playing in a terrible SEC. They're going to get a lot of wins. Well, the bottom of the SEC is going to be a lot better now that. And Mississippi State was towards the bottom of the SEC last year. They'll be better, too. So the bottom will be a little bit better, but Kentucky will be better than they will be. LSU will be better than Mississippi State. Texas A&M will be better than Mississippi State. Vanderbilt will be better than Mississippi State. Florida will be better than Mississippi State. And then I'd probably slip Mississippi State in right after that. But if they So you, is this team good enough to win 22 games? No. Let's let's, let's let's little, little pre very early side little lunch bet. We'll say uh, over under at twenty games. You take the under or twenty. Are you talking about the regular season? Yes. No. Okay, I'll take the over at twenty, and we'll, we'll do a little lunch bet on it. No, 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 no. <laughs> they they will not be. That means they've got a in the regular season alone Win twenty games. They well, you said twenty two. Well, I said I said I'll put the over under at twenty, but you want me to put it. I'll say I'll say I'll put it at 21. 21 over under. You're saying they'll take the under. They won't they win. They will. Even 21 games would be eight-game improvement. And Malik Newman, even if he is that good, it's hard to win with just one good player in college basketball. And I don't know what Mississippi State's out-of-conference schedule looks like next year. I'm sure it's going to be terrible. But even then, even if it is terrible, it, they're going to lose some games early. It's going to take Malik Newman some time. I, I think that it will <clears throat> they'll be very lucky to to get to the NCAA tournament. Very lucky. I, I, I don't know if I should be wise enough to to uh, bet on a, a player that you've seen ten times more than I have. And I'm telling you that he's awesome. I know. I'm telling you how good he is. I'm just telling you also how bad Mississippi State was last year. I, I'm, I'm not denying was, that, but I also have a lot more respect for a coach like Ben Halland as well. I mean, if you would have put it, it just look at it this way. If you would, do you think if Brandon Knight his freshman year played on that miss on a terrible, terrible Mississippi State team, that that would be a team that would get a five or six seed in the tournament? In that year, since Kentucky was a four, probably not. I don't. I'd have to see what else they had on that team, but I would say no. Because Malik Newman reminds me in some ways a lot like Brandon Knight. Uh, he he wants. He's probably not as good as a shooter, but he also likes to attack a little bit more. But, that, that Mississippi State team went seventeen and fourteen under Rick Stansbury. But and I'm not talking, Trevor. I'm not talking about that Mississippi State team. I know, I'm just, I know. Saying, I'm just, I'm this, just thinking a bad that. Mississippi State team. Like if Brandon Knight struggled at times at Kentucky, and that was on a Final Four team that had a lot of help around him. Now imagine that Brandon Knight on a terrible team with no help around him, having to do everything by himself. Yeah, his numbers probably would have been better. He would have had bigger scoring games, but it wouldn't make a bad team good it wouldn't change a bad team from being just mediocre to to making the NCAA tournament that's that's my whole point there I accept it I, I, I'll just uh, we'll set it at 12 I'm, I'm still I still have a little more confidence I guess in, in knowing that you say he's as good as he is even though 
Now that you called him Brandon Knight, it makes me feel a little bit more scared about my bet. But I didn't say what lunch. I didn't say I wasn't going to make it Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, fair, fair enough. Uh, rivals came out with their new and final college basketball rankings for the 2015 class. Good news if you're a UK fan because Scal Labissier, number one ranked player in the 2015, he jumped Ben Simmons, who had been number one for a while. Malik Newman used to be number one. He fell to number eight. Uh, he, he used to be number one a while back. but That doesn't uh, make me fi- feel any better now about my bet. <laughs> He, he finds himself at number eight right now. He is the first uh, the first guard ranked. Isaiah Briscoe, the first true point guard ranked. Malik Newman, I don't know if you can really – he's going to probably play point, but really he's more like a shooting guard, will probably be a shooting guard in the NBA. Uh, but Scalabissier, number one. Isaiah Briscoe, number 10. Charles Matthews, number 48. He's up 10 spots to 48. Uh, I would have ranked Charles Matthews a little bit higher, had a great senior year. Uh, but I, you know, whatever. It's hard to really make a significant jump when you're 58. So he, he finds himself at 48. And Scal, Scal I, I'm curious to, to see people's reactions to Scal being number one. Trevor, that is you. That is John Calipari's second ranked number one recruit. Do you know who the first one was? Um, was it Wall? It was Wall. So nobody in between his first year and now uh, were the number one players in the Who class. Who was number one Davis's year? Was it not da- uh, it, it was not. It, this, is, this, this doesn't reflect well on rivals. <laughs> but, but I can tell you that the guy that made that ranking is no longer at rivals. He's running another site. Okay. Or another site. Uh, Davis, Anthony Davis was number two. Who who was number one's really gonna really gonna bug you because it really bugs me, uh, Austin Rivers. Oh, he, yeah, he had a good one year Duke, I guess. I mean, yeah, he was he was okay, and Austin Rivers just a really good scorer in high school. Kind of remind me a little bit, honestly, of Malik Newman uh, with the way that he was able to score and really intense and could shoot the ball from three well and also put it on the floor and draw a lot of fouls. Uh, so his scoring ability in high school was really impressive, but Anthony Davis's potential. There's no way you couldn't have had him number one. Eric Bobby. He, he was he was up to scale with a rocket late, and Day- Rivers had been there for a while. Yeah, and 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 Bossy, who does our rivals ranking, says he remembers that conversation back then, and he was begging to put Anthony Davis number one because the ceiling was so high. Uh, and ultimately, he finished number two. Now, similar situation with Scalabissier. If, if you had, a, if I was playing right now, Trevor, a game in my backyard, which I don't really have a, I do have a driveway, but it's not paved. It wouldn't be a good place to play a basketball game. Well, it's it's paved, but it's not newly paved. Uh, I would take Ben Simmons over Scalabissier if I had to have those two go against each other right now on one of my teams. But Scalabissier's ceiling is significantly higher, in my opinion. Uh, he can be an Anthony Davis like NBA player where he could just take the league by storm come year two or year three. So I, I and even by the end of his freshman year, I, I think he'll be the better player than Ben Simmons. So I'm okay with them putting number one. Now, if you had to go right now, I'd probably say Ben Simmons is better. Jalen Brown, who comes in at number three, you could even make the case for him. I, I that one's tougher for me. But I'm perfectly okay with Scalabissier being number one. That's big for Kentucky. That's a, a good for him, a guy that's been through a lot in his life already. 
so number one player will be playing in Lexington next year. And this is six out of seven times, Trevor, that John Calipari has had two guys ranked in the top ten. Can you guess the year that he didn't have two guys ranked, in at least two guys ranked in the top ten? You want me to say the, the NIT year, but I don't think that's true. I think it's a trick question. Um, I'm going to go with – there's only so many to pick from. Let's say uh, 2013. 2013, that was – 2013, that was the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting. That was the Julius <laughs> Randle. I thought that was every year that Kentucky was the guy been at Kentucky. That was the Julius Randle, the Harrison Twins – that was Dakari Johnson. That was the loaded class. Okay, so I guess it would be the uh, NIT year then. It, you would think, and in hindsight, it probably should be, but that one had Nerlens Noel at number two, and Alex Poitras was number six, which was probably a little bit too high. The one where he didn't have two guys ranked in the top ten last year, where they had Carl Anthony Towns, I think, at number five, and then uh, Trey Lyles was number 13. He was in the top ten until the final rankings dropped out. Tyler Ulis was, I think, like number 23. He was one of the last five stars. Devin Booker, I think, number 30, uh, one of the highest four stars. So just one year he hasn't had two guys in the top ten, and, and there's a decent chance that he'll probably add another one this year uh, because Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Check Diallo, they're all in the top ten. Let me, so we're going let me to, stop myself quick. I said 2013, not the NIT year. That was the NIT year. I meant when, my, my guess was 2014, the year after. Clearly, you knew what I meant, but I, I messed it up when I said it. I didn't know what you mean. I, I went by what, with what you said. <laughs> but uh, we're going to we're going to head to commercial break. We've got some guests lined up for today. We're going to talk a little pro basketball and NBA is what they call it. And we're also going to be <laughs> talking a little pro football. Um, I'm a little out of sorts. The so NFL I don't... is what they call it. <laughs> is that what they call it? I think so. NFL came out with their schedule yesterday. so Are you excited? Uh, I, I'm very excited. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, but we're going to have Jason Cole on from Bleacher Report to talk about the NFL. And uh, that's going to be next. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. With T.J. Walker. Well, see you later. On 1450, the Sports Buzz. We're back here. Second segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. We're still working on getting Jason Cole from Bleacher Report. A lot of NFL talk to talk about today, so it'd be nice to have them. If not, I'm sure we can figure some things out. I'm just getting a storm of text messages from Brun DMC, who has a lot he wants to talk about. Uh, and we're going to talk plenty NFL when we get when we get Jason Cole on, so we'll talk about that when we do. First, he, Brun DMC tweeted me an article saying that Syracuse was ranked the worst college town in the ACC from Syracuse.com. I don't know who did the who did the report. I haven't had a chance to read it. Uh, it looked like it was Athlon Sports, which is generally pretty accurate. I don't know what their criteria was for ranking 
ACC towns and determining which one was the best and which one was the worst. But to say that Syracuse is the worst, I haven't been to every town in the ACC, Trevor, trying to think which ones I've missed out on. I know there's plenty that I haven't been to. Haven't been to Blacksburg, which I haven't heard is the best place in America. Um, Haven't been to Clemson, but you don't hear anything but great things about Clemson. But I guess I have probably been to more than, than I thought. Syracuse, without a doubt for me, would be the worst. We went up there for the 2010 regional finals, the Elite Eight, and the worst experience I've ever had. I haven't been to many college towns, been to more, I guess, pro towns. Uh, I went to try to go to a lot more games. You get to travel more to these cities because covering UK, obviously, than I'd go to cover Louisville. But uh, I have driven through Syracuse. It didn't seem that bad. I drove, I didn't stop. I think I stopped at gas on the way back through. But when I went to Cooperstown for the Baseball Hall of Fame, I went through Syracuse. And you, you were, well, here's the thing is I, you know, I went for the Elite Eight game. So this was late March. And it was still really cold. There was snow on the ground, which I know is not uncommon. Uh, we're having trouble getting hold of Jason Cole, so be patient. But uh, We'll try to track him down. He's incognito right now. Snow on the ground. It was not a pleasant experience. Uh, I'm sure the West Virginia fans didn't make it all that better. But all that being said, I haven't been to, I haven't been to NC State. Haven't been to Wake Forest, haven't been to Duke, haven't been to UNC. So it looks like I need to get I need to get traveling in North Carolina and hit up some of those schools. I actually have been to Durham and I flew out of Durham, so I've driven again driven through it and into the airport and flew out of it, and it was again a pleasant five minute experience. But uh, haven't haven't been to those places. Although I would have a tough time believing that one of those places could be the worst college town. In the ACC, so I, I think without a doubt, if you would have had me guess, I would have said Syracuse or Blacksburg, uh, Vir- Virginia for Virginia Tech. But maybe that town has a little more character. I was not impressed with Syracuse. The people, the people weren't overly friendly either. Uh, in the SEC, Trevor, if I had to rank the worst college town, this one's pretty easy for me. Can you take a guess? Um, Starksville. Starksville, without a doubt, and I haven't been to all the SEC towns either. Uh, but I'm good at this Stark- trivia stuff. Starkville and tomorrow's Throwback Thursday, but we don't have a show, so you won't be able to test your test your knowledge then. I'm very disappointed. Starkville is not good. Uh, it, the The campus actually is pretty nice. Everything looks relatively new for some reason. The buildings are nice. The football stadium's nice. It just got uh, renovated, but. Here's the thing. You go into Starkville, and it almost looks like there's just this huge field with this college university on it, and that's pretty much it. Uh, And then there's maybe a surrounding neighborhood, and then just imagine that outside of that, those buildings, the field just expands forever and ever and ever. And that's kind of like what it's like going to Starkville. TJ, you realize you just described the entire state of Mississippi except replace campus with a Walmart for the rest of the place. And that's probably true, but Oxford, Mississippi, Ole Miss's campus is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's nice. And, and again, Mississippi State's campus isn't overly ugly or anything. It's just there's nothing. It doesn't seem like there's anything to do there. Oxford, there's bars. There's kind of a community. Uh, you know, all all the houses have white picket fences in the front yard. And 
uh, you know, really reminds you that you're in the old South, which sometimes is good, sometimes not not so good uh, for a lot of reasons. But Starkville would be the worst in the in the SEC, and those are probably the only two conferences that I can really speak on. Haven't been to a ton of Big Ten places, haven't been to a ton of Big Twelve places, and been to very few Pac twelve places. Been to the, the the Los Angeles schools, but that may be it out there. So without a doubt, I think that that pretty much makes it easy for those two. Uh, so fun tweet. Looking like we're probably going to have to get Jason Cole another day, which is a bummer because I wanted to talk a little football, Trevor. The NFL schedule comes out. Also, Marvin Lewis, for some reason, gets an extension. What is the, what's the logic behind that? The, the easy uh, – Mike Brown doesn't like to, uh, to pay other people. And he's – I mean, he clearly uh, – he's very comfortable where he sits and doesn't like change. Well – That's a nice I, way of saying he's a moron. I've always said this, and my, my Cincinnati Bengal friends have agreed – for someone who was as great as he was, it is Paul Brown. Clearly, Mike Brown has the eyes of the mailman. It's, uh, and the thing is, I'm not even totally against Marvin Lewis, but I think he does an okay job. Uh, but and he's an okay coach. Mediocre Marvin, yeah, he's solid. But but at some point, Cincinnati's got to go one way or the other. They've got to get another coach and hope that they can take him to a new level. You know, winning actual playoff games, competing for AFC championships. Or they at this point, you, or you risk it getting a new coach, and guess what? It doesn't work out. You do worse than what Marvin Lewis was doing, and, and maybe you don't start completely rebuilding, but you start moving pieces and 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 doing some different things. You got you got to remember, and you maybe look look it up because you, you this is where the age comes in. But for between nineteen eighty nine, this is exactly here after basically they went to a Super Bowl and almost had it won and, and lost to the Niners. From then until. Carson Palmer's horrific knee injury game in Pittsburgh in that playoff game. The Bengals were not only the worst team in the NFL, but they were the worst franchise in sports. And for because of that, Marvin's mediocrity is consistent as it's been, is been a little bit more, I think, except I don't think acceptable amongst all the fan base, but is enough of the fan base to let him continue to be at that level. Yeah, and, and I, I remember when the Bengals were really bad. That was kind of like when I was starting to get into football seriously. They were not not very good. Uh, there wasn't a ton of fans. People would go up there wearing uh, bags on their head to watch the games. But And again, I, I if I was a Bengals fan, I think I'd be okay with Marvin Lewis. It's easier for me to say with no rooting interest and not really caring. But at, at, and, and Bengals fans probably been saying this for like the last three or four years, but He's got to start winning at a at a higher clip and winning playoff games. More importantly, that's that's the most important. Or you got to move on and and understand that hey, maybe things will be bad for a little bit, but we needed to move in one direction or the other. Is that silly to say? Kind of flip of flip of the coin, and to some extent. No, but you don't want to. Here's the thing: If you are Cincinnati and you are Mike Brown, do you trust your judgment? Even though I don't, I think his daughter is the general manager now. But do you trust your judgment enough to know that? Listen, every move you made before Marvin Lewis was utter crap. You <laughs> finally got one good move. I mean, one, and maybe even if he's mediocre, one good move in Marvin Lewis. Do you want to take the chance and letting at least the guy that's going to keep you 500, keep you maybe in a pl- little bit of a playoff run, go and put your odds on yourself? to make another chance at not picking crap when you're, what, one out of six maybe? 
Yeah, but I don't know. It seems like, and again, I could be wrong here. It seems like turnaround in the NFL is quicker than it used to be. Even 10, 15 years ago, small market teams will have their ups, will have their downs, but they'll they'll be competitive again. So worst case scenario for the Bengals, they completely whiff on the playoffs, start having losing records, six and ten seasons, maybe at worst uh, five and eleven season. Kind of seems like the turnaround's a little bit quicker than it used to be. So maybe you get a new coach in there, you, you do rebuild, you start, you realize that Andy Dalton's never going to be the quarterback to lead you all to uh, anything more than just the playoffs, and you start to restructure a little bit. I don't know. Uh, they took could, a big but, hit when they lost their assistant coaches in, in Gruden and Zimmer. Zimmer was, I mean, Minnesota, I, I think, ironically, I think it was when I had Jason Cole on the show one time way back when, when I asked him about Zimmer, and he said one of the reasons why he hadn't gotten a head coaching job up until that point when he probably deserved one eight years ago, was because he's kind of an upfront, old school, I'll tell you how I feel, whether you want to hear it or not type personality. And that turns a lot of owners off. And I think Cincinnati was lucky to be able to, they found a, a diamond in the rough in the offensive coordinator in, in Jay Gruden. And they were able to land Zimmer because of his standoffish attitude towards getting a head coaching job earlier than he deserved. So I think they got lucky there. And when those, both those guys left, that, that, that's, that hurt them. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point, and that's something you do have to take into consideration. Uh, but this will be an interesting year for the Bengals. Uh, I, I couldn't be, and you kind of know when it comes to NFL schedule who you're going to play for the most part with how they have the how how they have it formatted. Uh, you don't exactly know where all the games are going to be or where they're going to be scheduled. But Trevor, I was thrilled with the Packers schedule, uh, and I, I I think there's a really good chance that it sets up as long as Green Bay stays healthy which is certainly no guarantee uh, that they're going to be able to get the get the one one seed in the NFC, which it looked like they had, would have had a great chance to do last year, but came up a little bit short. Losing to Buffalo ended up being the thing that cost them, and no doubt in my mind they would have beaten Seattle had that game been at Lambeau. Uh, but <clears throat> schedule is fun. They're going to open up. Uh, in Chicago, that could be a tough game, just with it being a rivalry, first game of the season, both teams healthy as could be. A revenge game against Seattle in the second week, Trevor. That's going to be fun. Uh, and then there another another notable game. They will host Chicago in that return game for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving night. Uh, they're also going to honor Brett Favre, and then they're going to not honor Brett Favre, and then they're going to honor him, and then they're going to not honor him. They're going to change their mind a few times on what to do there. But that's the first time that Green Bay will host a Thanksgiving game, Trevor, since, I think, 1918. That's pretty cool. They're going to be heading back to Lambeau for a little turkey and football. So, we'll see. Uh, Looks like we do have Jason Cole ready now uh, after some delay, but... Better late than never. Jason Cole from Bleacher Report. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? How much? Thanks for joining us. We were talking uh, while while we were trying to get a hold of you a little bit about Marvin Lewis and the Bengals agreeing to do an extra year through 2016. What was your reaction to that? Is that a smart move from Cincinnati or a silly move? Yeah, that's pretty normal for them to do that. I mean, you're talking, he probably has some um, some voidables in the contract or some, some offset language so that even if they fire him and he gets hired somewhere else, they're going to get some money back on it. So, 
it's not really the most expensive thing in the world, and you don't want to leave a guy going into a lame duck season. So they've done a fairly traditional um, traditional move with with Marvin. I also think that, like, I know that people complain about Marvin, but if you look at all the coaches that they had before Marvin, and you adjust for the fact that, I mean, this is a Bengals organization that has not always, you know, been very well run. You know, they had a good 20-year run there before Marvin, where they were not very good. So I would I would say that, you know, this is probably a, a solid move overall uh, to keep a guy who knows how to win within the structure of that organization. That's exactly what our producer, Trevor Kelsey, was saying uh, before you came on, is just if you look at the Bengals' track record with coaches, they have one that you probably should keep. Uh, I, I don't want to ask this question, Jason. Some people have tweeted it in, uh, so I, I, we're going to just get it out of the way now. Tim Tebow with Philadelphia, how long does he last there? Does he ever actually see the regular season? What, 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 what's the deal with that? No, I think he's there as a number three quarterback. I think that that's, um, yeah, you know, it's just a, it's just an effort to get a you know another guy in there who can do some things. I think Chip Kelly's going to try and find a way to use him. I don't necessarily agree with the idea of bringing a guy for third and one, third and short situations, which it looks like he's going to try and do because you're ultimately taking the ball out of your best player's hands, presumably. You know, if that's Sam Bradford, whoever your quarterback happens to be. But if you also understand that, look, Sam Bradford is not much of a runner, you want to have a running quarterback in certain situations, be able to take advantage of that and have enough of a, a passer to, to be a threat. You know, Tebow works, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a, sort of overthinking everything in my view, but that's just my view of it. I, it's a nice experiment. It's a nice thing to try. Ultimately, it doesn't really take you very far. It, Schedule comes out yesterday. What are some of the biggest games that you like off the top of your head that, that jump out and uh, will be will be interesting matchups when we get to the fall? Well, I think that the, you know they're, they're the matchups you knew beforehand. I mean, obviously, you know, New England going to Denver in the second half of the season is going to be very interesting to me, especially with the transition that both teams are going to make. New England having to make up, you know, rebuild its secondary in a lot of ways. Uh, Denver transitioning from its its head coach. You're going to have a really good idea about both those teams and how serious they are as contenders by the time they meet in the second half of the season. Uh, I'm really interested to see Manning, you know, break the record against either the Packers. Um, I can't remember who the other team is, but you know, he's got two games where he can he can break Far, break Favre's record, which are both really interesting matchups. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, let's, I'm trying to think of the, the late season games for Miami really interest me because if they take care of business in the first 12 games of the, of the season, they have a really significant chance in the last four games of the season to go on a nice little run. It's been set up pretty well for them, including that final game of the season against New England that if somebody's finally going to make a run to dethrone the Patriots in that division during the Brady era, you know, aside from the year that Brady was hurt, I think the Dolphins have a little bit of a chance. I mean, they're still a long shot, but they probably got the second-best quarterback in the division. And with the addition of Sue on defense, maybe maybe the best 
maybe the best defense in the division. I mean, certainly Buffalo and the Jets are, are, would would have a good argument with them, but it would be you know a pretty good argument. Yeah, they're the division matchups and how they shake out. Sometimes it'll take a few weeks to see who the real contenders are and who really works out. Uh, but those are uh, obviously something. Some of those matchups, like you said, something to keep an eye on. And uh, we're talking with Jason Cole, Bleacher Report. I'm a Packers fan, uh, Jason, living here in Louisville. And this might be a, a silly question, and, and there might be an obvious answer to it. But with a guy like Randall Cobb signing the four-year deal with the Packers, what is your where where do you stand in the stance of is a player better before he signs a semi long term deal or does he once he has that promise once he has that commitment from a team he can settle in a little bit more and, and maybe not have as much pressure on him? Uh, I mean, look, you're asking one of those pop psychology questions <laughs> <It's> <laughs> about it, that that all depend on the human being and even even. If they depend on the human being, there's other factors like does it get hurt or not. So I'd love to give you a, a nice blanket answer to that. But right, well, let's just get it, let's get it from your standpoint. But Jason Cole, would you rather would you do better better work for Bleacher Report after signing a nice big deal, or would you be hungrier uh, before your contract? Look, look, there's an old saying about uh, George Young used to say all the time. George Young was the the great general manager of the New York Giants who helped put together that team that that won two titles under Bill Parcells with you know Hostetler and Sims as quarterbacks. And the old saying is that hungry sh- soldiers make better soldiers. It's you know so mm-hmm. that okay. that that hasn't changed. That psychology okay. is is you know true today as it was twenty years ago as it was as it was two hundred years ago. So you know that that always makes people work harder, but there are you know those those set of people that you have who will work hard no matter how much money you give them, whether they're Aaron Rodgers, whether they're Darrell Rivas, whether they're Calvin Johnson. There are people out there who you can pay them any amount, and they just want to be great. Is Randall Cobb one of those people? I don't know, but you know he worked pretty damn hard to get to this point i would say that i agree with you there at one time a two-star coming out of high school and uh committing to kentucky and and really making a name for himself there Uh, i hope it works out for him but we'll see uh and and also we we haven't talked a lot of nfl because it has been college basketball season here i'm curious being able to to talk to an nfl writer where does nfl draft season rank for you in terms of covering a full nfl season, a full nfl year not really necessarily the season uh do you enjoy it are you can are you excited for when it's over and you can really start focusing on finalized rosters uh, where does this part of the year rank for you well i think this is really interesting i mean i but it's not interesting the way that fans think it's interesting. Fans look at it as Christmas. And fans look like look at it like, oh, we're going to draft four or five starters. They're going to come in and change our team. We're going to win a Super Bowl here in April or now May. Um, and that's kind of absurd. It's just not really how it works. It's a much different process than people understand it. You're, most teams are looking... At a building process, if they get one 
or two players who change you know can change their team that's really hard to do um, you're looking at the long haul you know the teams that are good look at the draft in a long term way like over a four or five year period do I average two to maybe two and a half starters a year and if I do that do I have a quarterback that goes with it? Because if I average two starters a year over a four- or five-year period of time in the draft, I've built a championship contender in most in most situations. Unless my team was so awful to begin with that I was too, too far behind the curve. So if you go at it from that perspective, um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that that's the the wise long view of it, but most most fans don't have a long view of the draft. They have a this guy's going to change my team, you know, this year. He's going to come in. He's going to rush for a thousand yards or catch eighty passes or throw thirty touchdown passes, and or he's going to become an all pro at right guard or whatever it is. And I'm I'm sorry, just this now. I mean, I remember having a discussion with some Buffalo fans one time. I think it was the year they took Andy Lavitre. And somebody said, oh, we drafted four starters this year. I looked at them and I said, if you drafted four starters, that means your team was terrible. And it's probably going to be terrible again. Yeah. The draft, for some teams, you can get guys that come in right away and make an impact from day one. Uh, But like you mentioned with some of those Buffalo fans, uh, not necessarily the case this year, that it can just be the start of an entire rebuilding process. We're talking with Jason Cole, Bleacher Report. One last question somebody sent in. What did you make of the Jaguars having a uh, a stretch where they have one home game from week three to week ten? Now they're going to play in London, one of those games, also a bye week included in there. Uh, that doesn't seem awfully fair to me. No, but if you want to play in London, that's sort of the way that it goes. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think the worst part about that is having three straight games on the road. Um, now, one of those games is at Tampa. So it's not that far. Okay, it's a it's a pretty good bus ride. Although they'll take a plane, but that's all. You know, that's a, that's about thirty minutes in a plane. Um, tops. Um, so it's not the most arduous um, road stretch, but it is tough when you're playing away from home three straight weeks. And yes, basically the seventh straight week period where you only have one home true home game. It's a little bit unfair, but that's the choices you make when you decide you're going to play home games in London from time to time. Yeah, uh, I know it's it, it's not not looking good for the, for the Jaguars and in, in, in Jacksonville and losing home games to London and playing over there. But Jason Cole, thanks so much for joining us on Bleacher Report from Ble- Bleacher Report. Appreciate you coming on. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, fun talking to the NFL. It's, it's still, Trevor, for me, I'm still not 100% just yet in NFL season. So I probably came off as a little raw. Uh, and, and thanks to Brun DMCs for sending in that Jaguar schedule. Uh, that's almost unbelievable to me. Well, you got to remember, and, though, it's, it is Jacksonville. They've had one sellout, I think, in six years. I don't think anyone's, almost, no one's even going to notice they're gone. But the thing that kind of jumps out to me here is that it almost looks like the NFL is just setting up Jacksonville to fail. I don't think – I think Jacksonville's done a pretty damn good job at that themselves. That's true, too. But, 
I, and I don't have their schedule pulled up right in front of me. I need to, I'm going to do that right now. Um, but all right, the Jaguars aren't going to be good this year and that that's not going to surprise anybody. But when do you draw most people at the, at the beginning of the season and they're going to host two home games back to back Carolina and Miami, they'll probably lose both those games, but you know, say they were to somehow Trevor win both those games. Well, fans in Jackson will be a little bit excited about that, and rightfully so. But then you don't get to see the team again for a month, and then you have another home game. And what happens in that month? You're going to have to go to New England and Indianapolis. Those will be two guaranteed losses. But say you can sneak out a win against Tampa Bay, because that, that could be a winnable game, all things considered. Well, then you get Houston at home. I'm really breaking down their schedule schedule by game by game. And people then in Jackson aren't even talking as much about their schedule. But then say you get Houston at home. And say you're able to somehow win that game. Well, then you don't have another home game until the late November. And at that point, no, the Jaguars probably won't be having a good season. Which the, makes you, to, which, you know, who's going to show up at that point? Who cares at that point? To, 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 to counterpoint, though, your original statement saying that you should at least you have a, people enthusiastic about the beginning of the season and showing up at the beginning of the year. That might be true if you're not hoping for a franchise that has combined the last three years not won enough games to make one playoff year. They've got nine wins in three years. They haven't won. Just, they won more than five games once in five, in six years. They're a team. They won two of their last five games last year. But I mean, Bengal fans know what that is. That's just your coach just trying to keep your job and winning a few games at the end of the year to make it look like you have improvement. When in reality, you don't. The Jacksonville's a bad franchise. They're not going to get probably more than four wins next year anyway. I, and I understand that. They're probably not going to be good, but it almost just looks like to me they're setting them up for, for bad fan support by not allowing them to even capitalize on, on any momentum if they were even to get some, which I agree with you. It's no guarantee that the that would happen. The conspiracy person in me would say they're setting them up to move to L.A., but Jacksonville, I think, signed a, a, some kind of lease with, with the stadium in the city, I think, last year, year before, that kind of helped secure them staying there for at least a little longer. It seems like the uh, Raiders and Chargers get all the buzz when it comes to L.A. and also the possibility of both those teams playing in L.A. Because the Raiders have been there six times. <laughs> crazy, crazy to think about that L.A. could end up with zero teams to possibly having two uh, in a matter of time. But uh, I, I miss the old talk about Jacksonville possibly lo- moving to London and that fun debate. Should I oh, ask? Oh, uh, Lord, don't even. <laughs> what? Why? I don't even want to. That is the, the, the most ridiculous idea to move a team to, to Europe. That is, ah, that, that, that makes me wonder if Goodell is starting to, 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 to dip into a little bit of the, the uh, compensated drugs he's gotten from Justin Black. <laughs> well, it was, uh, it, it, we probably would have heard more about it the last few days with 420 being the other day. <laughs> maybe NFL We're Europe was- would have been more successful. Maybe, maybe you want to worry about doing that instead of bringing an NFL team over there. We... <laughs> That's a good point. We need to head to commercial break. We're already running way behind. Uh, we'll be right back. 1450, the sports Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. The Sportos, the Motorheads, Geek Bloods, Waste Toys, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 
our one final long segment, and part of that segment will be spent talking with Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Uh, when I was looking for your name uh, to, to tweet you, I, how did you end up with at Basketball Talk? Uh, that's, a, that's a great <laughs> Twitter name. Yeah, it actually just kind of lucked into it. I, I was uh, uh, going to have to start one when I was starting the, the Pro Basketball Talk blog for NBC, and I was like, I looked at my name, and then I was like, I wonder if Basketball Talk is like, has anybody done that? Somebody's got to have done that. And, and sure enough, nobody had. I'm like, eh, just do that. And that's uh, a great name. If anybody is looking on Twitter for Basketball Talk, they'll probably run into your Twitter name. Uh, and, and besides the good work that you do, you also have nearly 72,000 followers, which is impressive. My boss one time when he worked for the Courier-Journal had the Twitter name just Wildcats, at Wildcats. Uh, but, oh, and, and nice. then he, <clears throat> but then he had to leave to take over his job where I work now at Rivals. And he had to give that name back to the Courier Journal, and the Courier Journal didn't use that name anymore. They gave it away. Uh, so, uh, at Wildcats, yeah, I, I know. Believe, I couldn't believe I don't it. Think people, I, I think sometimes, especially older, old school newspaper people, but some people just like don't get the value of a quality Twitter name anymore. So, no, I, I don't think I don't think they did either because people just happen to stumble upon Wildcats because oh, how'd you get Wildcats? But uh, anyways, you got basketball talk, and that's a pretty good one. I've got a boring one that's just my name and where I work, just like every other dweeb out there. But uh, this is a busy time for you, I would imagine. NBA playoffs in full swing right now. Kind of give me the most exciting storyline you've seen from the first two to three games, or two games, I guess, in the series. There's a few really interesting ones out there. I mean, out in Chicago, you know, Derrick Rose is kind of back and looking the best he's looked in, in a long time. That makes them a far more interesting team. Um, you know, I, I, to me, the question still comes back to Chicago with, like, how good is their defense? Because it's been in, look, they didn't look great, you know, in, necessarily in game two. Their defense has been inconsistent all year. And, you know, Look, it may be routing into form, but they're also playing one of the worst offensive teams in the league. So, so <laughs> it's a little tough to judge. But if if you know they'll get by the Bucks, and then they'll we'll find out how good they really are against the Cavs. Um, the other look, I think the other fascinating series has Game Two tonight. I think the Clippers and Spurs is a you know that's Game of Thrones bloodbath out there. That's, <laughs> that is just a brutal first round series. That if that had been the conference finals, you wouldn't have been shocked. And um, I think you're going to see a. Clippers won game one, played as well as I've seen them play all season, especially defensively, really active. Uh, we'll see if they can sustain that and maintain that, and you know the Spurs will make adjustments. You know they'll be back. That 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 team has more lives than Freddy Krueger. I love the Game of Thrones uh, analogy, and then you also throw in a Freddy Krueger one there. We could talk Game of Thrones and analogies all you wanted. Uh, let's. I, I probably should have brought. I probably should have brought this up first before we really got into uh, the playoff talks. But Scott Brooks out as the as the coach of the Thunder after seven long seasons there, able to have some success, get to an NBA Finals. What was? What'd you make of their decision to let him go? This was all about Kevin Durant and keeping him long term. This and a at the NBA level, you just don't make that kind of decision without. Without Sam Presti, their GM, having called Durant or his agent for a conversation, there's just zero chance you do that. In, in well, I shouldn't say zero. I guess the Lakers did it. They didn't. They didn't consult Kobe Bryant, but then they went out and hired Mike Brown, and then that failed. So this is why you consult your stars. Um, so I don't think it happened without his knowledge or at least some assent. 
Um, but look, they ran pretty simple stuff. They don't. Their offensive sets were not modern, not uh, not cutting edge, and often devolved pretty quickly if you could stop the first couple options into just Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook with the ball in their hands. And it, it worked because they were Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. But it, uh, there's a sense around the league that that this is not the guy who he's a good player development coach, and he's going to land on his feet in in you know probably Orlando, maybe Denver, somewhere like that, where they've got a young team. That said. He wasn't the guy who could get them over the hump, and they're going to go out and I will try to get somebody who's going to get them over the hump because they've got to win now. They have to convince Kevin Durant this year, if they don't actually win an NBA title next season, that they can in the next couple and he shouldn't leave. And there's been a lot of talks about some college players that would be, yeah. or college coaches that would be the, the leading candidates. Kevin Ollie, Billy Donovan, two of the coaches that names get mentioned the most. Which one do you think would be the better fit there, or would you even go the college route? It's going to be interesting. Donovan, by all accounts, and everybody I've talked to, everybody everybody seems to talk to, says that the, the, the wheels are greased if he wants the job. Like if if he's the guy, if he wants it, and rumor is he kind of want, you know he said this before, but this time he really means it. Uh, he wants to go to the NBA and give it a shot. Uh, good X's and O's guy, a good motivator. Obviously, had a lot of success at Florida. I'd be curious if I'm him though. Like, I'm going to reach out to Kevin Durant and try to get a sense of his intentions because if Durant leaves next summer, then Westbrook probably leaves and if this, the summer after in 2017. And then suddenly you're the coach of a rebuilding team in, the, you know, in a small market. Do you want to leave Florida for that? Are you, are you that confident you, you can take them to where they're going to go? I mean, look, they're counting on a – if you're Oklahoma City, you're betting on a – yeah, we got rid of Mark Jackson, but we brought in Steve Kerr kind of higher. You know, something that ends up being looking brilliant in retrospect, even though it was a, it was a big risk at the time. Maybe Donovan can do that. Kevin Ollie is somebody that Durant respects. Ollie was on the first team Durant was on in the NBA. Uh, you can get him out of Kentucky, uh, not Kentucky, get him out of um, Connecticut. Um, we'll see, though. I, you know, he's, a, he's allegedly interested. Those guys are out there. And then we'll see what else, who else they talk to, who else they reach out to. I've, I've to me, if I were them, I, Alvin Gentry would be my guy. He's the guy who, yes, he's a, kind of a retread, but he's also the guy who was in charge of the Warriors' office, offense this year and the Clippers' offense last year under Doc Rivers. He's a very good offensive mind, and I, I look at that team and that roster and think, man, if you put him in charge of that, they will destroy people. And that would be – that's one that at least I haven't heard as much about. I'm sure you probably have because uh, you're one of the better in the business. And we're talking with Kevin I, I, Actually, I, I don't – Gentry wants a job. I don't know if they're reaching out to him. I'd just be surprised if they didn't have him on the list. Okay. And we're, and we're talking with Kevin Heelan, NBC Sports. And you had – uh, and we, we talked a little college, and you accidentally mentioned Kentucky when you meant Connecticut. Which Kentucky, former U.K. guy, and we're here in Louisville and uh, kind of a U.K.-centered show. Yeah. What Patino, former Patino is not up for the job, you're safe. No, okay. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but what former University of Kentucky player that are in the pros, and uh, yeah, I think there's probably seven or eight of them, do you see making the deepest run in the NBA playoffs? And, and none of them are really on maybe a title-contending team, but there are a lot on, you know, four, five seeds. And then, of course, you've got some on higher seeds than that. But what former U.K. guy, and Anthony Davis, Terrence Jones, Rondo, John Wall, 
James Young with the Celtics. He might be with the, uh, I don't know if he's on the active roster. Patrick Patterson and Chuck Hayes with the Raptors. Out of those guys, who do you see making the deepest run? Yeah. Nazi Muhammad. I, I was about to say, I was trying to run through it in my head. I'm like, he's not necessarily the best player, but he's been kind of key for them. I, I think Terrence Jones from uh, in, in Houston, right? He, another Kentucky, a Kentucky guy, right? If I'm remembering that right. Sure. Um, yeah, is uh, I like well, I like Houston. That is a team that has gotten healthy and gotten right at the right time. And I, to me, they're still a little bit of a dark horse. I think it's Golden State and either whoever comes out of the Spurs Clippers series. I think it was the series. I think it will be the Spurs. But whoever comes out of that series is two. And, and Houston's trying to sneak into that, but they might. They're playing a lot better. And they, you know, hey, turns out healthy Dwight Howard can play basketball. Who knew? And that's uh, I, the Rockets. I the, just the Western Conference playoffs are unbelievable. And I had actually, yeah. I don't know if I'd mentioned it on the show here, but uh, I I thought the Mavericks. You know, I just never really want to count out Dirk Nowitzki, another former Kentucky guy, Rajon Rondo. You can probably count him out of playing the rest of the playoffs. He's ruled out indefinitely because of a injured back. Is it so much an injured back, or he just in, in an injured relationship with Rick Carlisle? I'm sure his back hurts a little, but I don't know that it's anything he couldn't he couldn't have played through if he really wanted to. They are he's played 37 minutes in the two first two games in that series, and they are minus 35 when he's on the court. Um, it, it has reached the point where they are actually he just is such a bad fit for what they do, and and his energy he's just he's just kind of mentally checked out. They're actually better with Raymond Felton on the court right now, which is a sad statement for somebody of Rondo's talent. But that's where they're at. You're not going to see him again. Mavericks, I, I, I was hesitant to count them out because you, know, you are talking about Dirk Nowitzki and a team that won before, but uh, they're now also without Chandler Parsons, who's going to have knee surgery this summer. Uh, they just announced today he's out for the, for the remainder of the playoffs, however long they're lasting. That's the one that really hurts. They needed Parsons both to defend Harden and make Harden work on the other end of the floor. He was key for them in this series, and with him being out, uh, I, just, I don't see how Dallas gets past Houston now. No, I, I I certainly agree with you. And and, do you, and 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 briefly, do you do you see that this Rajon Rondo and him playing so poorly in this series, and, and maybe not having the 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 stretch in Dallas since he was traded there from Boston? Do you see this more of him being on the downslope of his career, or just not being motivated and and looking to go elsewhere as soon as possible? A little from column A, a little from column B. I don't know that he, I, I, he's got to adjust a little bit. I, to me, he doesn't seem, and he hasn't since he came back from the ACL, um, just just quite as explosive as he as he was previously. And you know, that's you can compensate for that if you have a good, you know, if he developed a jump shot or, or done some other things, but he really never did. And so he's just kind of a slightly less version of himself. And without that shot, you know, you could get away with it when he was with his peak team in Dallas, with that, you know, in Boston, when he was playing. You know, again, this was pre ACL, but his his lack of shot wasn't as big an issue because they had shooters all. You know, Ray Allen's out there, and Paul Pierce is out there, and all these guys who can knock down. You know, even even Kevin Garnett, who was deadly from the mid range, like he could get into the paint and kick out to guys, and there were shooters everywhere. They don't have that in Dallas. Dallas doesn't have that level of shooting around him, and suddenly. Now you don't have to go out. You can pack the paint. You can do things to really make it difficult for him, and he doesn't have the he doesn't have the spacing to make it work. He kills their spacing. Uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what all plays off of that after the season. But uh, plenty more NBA playoffs to go. We're just getting started, and I know you're a busy guy. So, Kurt, hopefully, we'll get you on another time. We'll let you go for now. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Hey, anytime, and back, and we'll talk. You got some Louisville guys, at least one guy going in the first round, so we can talk draft too, some point. That sounds hey, it sounds great to me. I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, and that is Kurt hey, Heelan. Follow him, you too. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's got one of the better Twitter names I've seen. Just at Basketball Talk. So if you want to, if you want to follow Basketball Talk, he's the guy to follow. How many people do you think just search Twitter on the little tab up there and just? Search basketball talk, and, and he comes up right away. I'm sure a ton do. Yeah. And then also, if you if a, if a guy na- with the Twitter name basketball talk is tweeting out valuable information, who the hell wouldn't follow him? I follow him. Exactly. I I I hadn't, but I'd seen him pop up in my timeline all the time. But I follow too many people. But I'm definitely going to start. I already have started following him. But um. I didn't accidentally call him Kevin during that interview, did I? I didn't hear it if you did. <laughs> Good, because in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, well, I need to I need to drop his name again. Just say, say, hey, Kevin Heelan. Uh, I do. But then I was, like, that, I was like, that's not his name. There's so, one thing I'm curious about, and you haven't brought this up. I haven't brought it up either, so I guess I'm to blame, but it hasn't even been brought up. With, with the job like the Thunder open, why hasn't the name Calipari been popped up once? Yeah, I'm kind of curious by that too. I mean, uh, it, he would and, be Donovan, Ollie. I mean, it surprises me they would even go to college route. Sam Presti's a great GM, a, an old school guy's of Spurs. He's all he's, he's only had two hires since he's been in Oklahoma City. They were both NBA veteran assistants and former players, and Carlos Samoa, and now of course Scott Brooks, who just recently was let go. So it does surprise me they would look to college route. But this is the type of job that. Kentucky fans, I thought, would start feeling a little bit of, you know, drizzle down the down their leg when they hear open up. I mean, you're talking about Kevin Durant, maybe 1A or 1B next to the greatest player in the world. You have Russell Westbrook, who is probably in the top 10, arguably, whether where you want to put him is, is up to you. You have Serge Ibaka. You have Enos Cantor, who uh, we know Calipari does know whether he coached him or not, you know, at least in practice. You have one of the best teams that just had an injury year and a bad season. You have a great fan base, a good ownership. Kentucky fans, you got to be somebody's looking up at, up at the heavens and going, "Thank you that his name's not being popped up right now," or they're keeping it very secret. Yeah, that's. It, I've thought about it too. Just why his name hasn't been popped up at least, it, it, at least just thrown out there by some person with some credibility or just, you know, at least throwing it out there to see if it sticks and it can generate a little bit of a buzz. Uh, Here's a few. One, Don't don't get any ideas, Rex Chapman on Twitter. That's a good point. One, he was very adamant about coming back. Uh, He mentioned that he's coming back. He's not even going to look at the NBA. He has come to peace with his decision of, making an impact on kids' lives more at the college level than he can at the NBA level, and he, he likes that. He, he feels that that's his mission, and that's what he wants to do. Uh, so maybe that's part of the reason why. Two, I've heard that he would have to probably take a pay cut to go coach at OKC. Yeah, isn't it about uh, time he got a raise with UK anyway? No, it's probably been about a year. He gets, to, he gets one every year. It seems that he literally gets one every single year. I need his agent. Uh, but I at least – would have thought his name would have popped up. And so far it hasn't. Uh, but maybe it, maybe he also has put kind of nipped that in the bud. Maybe maybe an NBA team or somebody has contacted him just seeing if he's at least curious. And he said no. 
where I, I can tell you for a fact he entertained NBA offers and ideas last year, and it's certainly with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So maybe he nipped it in the bud on, on his end. And if, but if you go, if you're if you're the Oklahoma State Thunder and you go to you know to to Kevin as, as Helen pointed out they will go to Durant before they make any hire and smartly so because if he leaves as a free agent you're rebuilding the entire franchise and who knows if you can be as very lucky to get another guy like Kevin Durant and he says I want John Calipari I mean you, that's what you got to do I mean and no disrespect to Donovan and Ali who you know are not saying they're really bad hires but. <sighs> I don't. I mean, if Calipari can flirt with the Knicks or or the Lakers or anybody outside of a team that has LeBron James or Kevin Durant and not be flirting at least with Kevin Durant, a Kevin Durant opening, it just baffles me a little bit. I don't. I don't under. I don't understand the Billy Donovan and Kevin Ollie love. I know that Kevin Durant and Kevin Ollie have some sort of relationship and. Uh, I don't really get the Billy Donovan of the NBA love all that much. Well, the Ollie makes more sense because he does have NBA coaching experience as an assistant. And as I mentioned, Sam Presti, I think, likes to lean towards that a little more, like Alvin Gentry's name coming up in that interview. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, but I think Cal is probably safe at Kentucky. I don't think he's going to be leaving this year. Uh, and he's, without a doubt, he's got all his attention turned on the two, still the 2015 recruiting class. Uh, he'll be awarded the Rupp Cup Trophy, I think is what they call it, tomorrow for being the uh, the nation's top basketball coach. Uh, but then he still has work to do in this 2015 class. Malik Newman isn't technically a done deal just yet. Uh, I still expect him to go to Mississippi State. If you listen to the first segment of this show, it sounded like we it sounded like he had already committed. He hasn't officially committed anywhere he hasn't officially signed any papers just yet yeah our bet's uh, nullified if he doesn't go there <laughs> i okay uh no i'm not i'm not letting you out of that mississippi state would still have to win 21 games without Malik newman <laughs> yeah uh that would be the worst bet in the history of all bets and i've made some bad ones but uh, it's still not official it's still my prediction but still not official uh, still waiting to hear on Jalen Brown. There's some rumblings that John Calipari could have went down to Georgia last night and visited him. Uh, still waiting on Czech Diallo. He could pop at any time, maybe tomorrow, probably no later than Monday. Brandon Ingram will be announcing Monday. He had an interview with ESPN yesterday on their recruiting special, which I don't even know if anybody actually committed on, which probably didn't make for a very good recruiting special. But Based on his answers there, he kind of seemed like a Duke lean, in my opinion, and a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, but look out for Jamal Murray. Look out for Michael Mulder this weekend. I, I think I really – maybe I'm just assuming that Kentucky's not going to miss out on everybody, but I, I, I just – I really don't see a scenario where Kentucky fans should have to worry about next season to a point of – uh, certainly not an NIT point, but I, I still think Kentucky is going to be in the conversation. They're going to be competitive because uh, I think they're probably going to get at least one more guy, maybe two more guys. So certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, there will be, and we're, we're not completely out of time just yet, but no show tomorrow because of baseball. And then Friday, I'm going to, I'm going to have to try to find a way to squeeze it in because I'll be in Lexington covering basketball recruiting all day. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to figure something out, but hopefully we'll get to talk so, to you before the weekend. So the Reds are bumping us tomorrow. Good reason to, to drop uh, 78 F-bombs now in the last two minutes of the show? <laughs> yeah, I it's 
the bleeping Reds playing all the bleeping time. I, I didn't get to talk about that yesterday. I didn't get to talk about it today. What's your bleeping problem? It's Brian Price. I don't really have a problem with what he did, and the fact that people are trying to compare him to Britt McHenry is a joke to me. Not even uh, in the same ballpark, let alone the same league. No, not not close. I mean, Britt McHenry's probably a little bit better looking than Brian Price, but uh, you know, Brian. But 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 that's that's the only you know, Brian Price is a a decent looking male. <laughs> it depends who you ask. But that that but that's probably the only correlation between that they're both two good looking humans. Um, Brian Brian Price was just clearly very frustrated uh, and lost it and cussed, but he didn't insult anybody. No personal shots. Uh, what my only problem is that he doesn't really understand what it, what it means to be an MLB manager. Uh, and it, it, if I was a Red fan, I'd be concerned from that standpoint because you've got some guy in there that's freaking out 15 games into the season. Uh, what is what's what's going to happen? For years to come, or at least until the end of this season, it uh, could be more tirades without a doubt. And uh, the, the, one of the things that stood out about that rant, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with it, Trevor, was when he was saying, "Do you all just want me to say yes, sir, no, sir, and 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 be boring as as blank and all this and that?" My only, I would have been like, "Do it then. If you're gonna complain and 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 cry, and I, I could say some other words, uh, but I won't." If you're gonna if you're gonna be that big of a baby about media asking you questions about where players are and and why you're not doing this and why you're not doing that, then do that. I don't know. I, I, I prefer the shut 70, up about it. I prefer the seventy eight uh, f bombs over the Bill Belichick approach. I am too, but he acts like he's doing us. Uh, he was doing the media there such a favor by not being short. Then be short if you want to. You should have talked to someone third person if that was the case. Don't you know who I am? I'm Brian, Brian Price doesn't Price. Want to talk to you guys. <laughs> Brian Price talks to you when he wants because Brian Price is a nice guy. Uh, uh, anybody drops themselves in third person makes me laugh and, and goes up a notch in my book. Well, TJ Walker is out of time for today's show. It was a good show. A lot of guests on. Uh, not as much time to, to take some of your all's questions and all that fun stuff, uh, which I do apologize for. But, hey, we'll get to it uh, one time or another. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to talk to you on Friday. So we'll look forward to talking to you then. 1450 the sports buzz. Thanks for listening. Right from the bill to be G in my zone. High time sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life when they say I'm going wrong and I swear I'm going right home.